heard four areas that are really important in the life of the church on Sunday with regards to Acts 2.42 and how they devoted themselves to those things. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just get the podcast. You can get it at Arena Church. But it talks about the apostles devoting themselves to fellowship, to prayer, to breaking of bread, and to fellowship, and and to the apostles' teaching, sorry. And uh, there were four areas that they devoted themselves to. But there's five areas that I just want to say that I think are a recipe to make church, the mechanics of church, work. I just want to put them in boxes, if I may. And uh, the first one I want to talk about is systems, okay? I want to talk about the environment. Can you see that, systems? Yeah, okay. Environment. And uh, we need to put there a spiritual environment. We need to get the the right people. We need to get here. What was the other one that I put down? Did I put systems? Yeah, that's the one. Vision. And then the last one here, this is the only time I'm going to go to the whiteboard. It's not going to be a whiteboard time tonight. It's healthy culture. There are five things that we've realized more and more clearly, not because of textbook, but we've realized that actually all of these things need to be working together to create something that's very, very healthy. But if I can say something to you just before we launch into the Bible and then I just lay in a few points. Some of these things are absolutely essential and they really are essential. But I think there's, there's, there's one thing that can almost bind them together. And the way that I look at it is this. You see, when I look at the life of Jesus, Jesus and his ministry, he was very strategic in how he approached things. So number one, there was a system to how he presented the gospel. Even to the point where he said, you know what, they need to go in twos. They need to go in twos and they need to go to people and they need to go and do the ministry that I've commanded them to do. There was a system. He was laying in how to do things. He, of course, created a spiritual environment. He was not just teaching them but showing them the importance of going to pray. Early in the morning, it talks about Jesus going to a solitary place and playing and praying. He also chose the right people. Many people thought he was crazy. Why on earth would he choose the people that he chose? There was one who, of course, was a little bit dodgy by the name of Judas. But the reality is he chose exactly the right people. And, of course, Jesus had a compelling vision. He had a compelling vision. He knew what he was there for. The Bible records that he says, For the Son of Man, talking of himself, came to seek and save that which was Last. It also records that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. He was very clear on what his mandate, what his mission was, and it was compelling. The people around were compelled by it. But there is one thing that I think that is so crucial in all that I've just said as an introduction, and that is of a healthy culture. Let me just draw your attention to some verses where it talks about Jesus going into his hometown. We're talking about the Son of God, full of power, knew God, who had created systems, spiritual environments, got a compelling vision, got the right people, and yet he goes into his hometown, and what does the Bible record? He could only do a few miracles because of the lack of faith. There was an unhealthy culture In that particular environment that he was walking into, there was a faithless environment that allowed, didn't even allow Jesus to do what Jesus wanted to do. 
Let me say something to you. I believe that culture trumps everything. I've been into some homes where they could have a good system, where they could have, they know what they're about, they're there as a family, and there's all, some of these things are there, and you walk in and you just sense something not quite right. The culture's not right. And if the culture's not right, nothing's right. Nothing's right. If the culture, there's some of you guys are in business, you, you can see some of the strategic way in so, certain people approach things, but when you're really driving to the organization and you realize there's an unhealthy culture, you realize why that business is in difficulties. It's a cultural issue. And I am so thankful tonight. I am so thankful that we have and have increasingly a healthy culture. And we must maintain that. We must guard it. Let me just take you for a moment to Mark in chapter 4 and verse 26. It'll come on the screen. And we'll just read a few verses together. Jesus is telling a story. He said, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground or in the soil. And night and day... Whether he sleeps or get up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Jesus was telling a story that if we create the right environment, the soil, for the seed to be planted into it, because there is nothing wrong with the seed. I want to say, if we are full of God's word, that is the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. This book, this seed is pure. This seed will produce results. Can I get an amen? It really will. There's something great about this word. There's something very powerful about this word. I was just, uh, while I was saying that, just thinking about, there was a, a, a recorded, I never saw him, but there was a man who used to go to the open air streets and he'd throw his Bible on the ground and he'd jump to his feet and he'd go, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. And everybody would come rushing around and thinking, what's alive? And he would begin to pick up the Bible and begin to speak how this book is alive and it's living, it's sharp and it's active. There's nothing wrong with this book. It's full of good, good seed. The issue is where the seed is planted. And that speaks very much of the culture, the culture in which this seed is planted. We need to continue to create a great environment for the seed to be planted and for the seed to grow. So in my observation through the scriptures and also through experience of just talking to others who are building, by God's grace, great churches, what, what is different and what do growing churches do differently? What do, what do growing churches do differently? Because everybody's looking for the secret. I'll tell you what it is. They purpose to create a healthy culture that is life-giving. That is life-giving. I'll say that again, that is life-giving. I I want us to so build a church here by God's grace that is so life-giving to others. I never want this to be about ourselves. I never want it to just be wrapped around us. That is why we are pretty pumped about the Beth Shan uh, uh, announcement. Because actually it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom spreading out. And who knows where God's going to take us in that. We never want to keep what what God is doing to ourselves. We always want to be life-giving. Have you ever come across people who are life-sapping? 
There's nobody here who's like that. I can tell beyond a doubt. But there may be occasions when we've been like that. Life sapping. And it saps the life out of you. But I want to be, I want to be a person that is life-giving. Proverbs records, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I so want to be a refresher. I want to be a refresher to people. I want to leave people better than when they, when they arrive with me. If people are down, I want them to be uplifted, yes? I don't want to get into arguments and, you know, argy-bargy. I, I, you know, sometimes you have to do that, but I want, to, I want to get to the point where, you know, it's encouraging, it's positive. We're moving forward. And that's the kind of church that Jesus is wanting to build in this particular day. It really is. And so life-giving churches have some cultural responsibilities. Brian Houston says this, you can't build culture, you have to be the culture. And although we can teach this stuff, actually you, we, we, have to, we just exemplify this. It's just who we are. Some of us, just before Christmas, we was in the staff meeting, we was watching a lady, Mama, what was her surname, Phil? Grogan or something like that. Mama Maggie. She was this beautiful, she, she just reminded me of Mother Teresa. She had the, the Coptic, you know, gowns on and a head thing. And she was at this big mega conference thing with, you know, hundreds of thousands literally listening to this. And she began to talk about her spiritual disciplines and creating a spiritual environment. And it was just 10 minutes, and all the guys were just in stunned silence. She, she embodied what she was saying. This is what we're talking about. You know, we can put on culture. I can w- work through some things, and we're going to go through them. And we can turn them on for a while. I'm not talking about turning it on. I'm talking about we, em- we embody these things. Are you, li- are you hearing me tonight? This is who we are. This is who we are. So don't think that I'm just giving seven steps and it's nothing like that. We need God in all this. But we need, we need to create a healthy environment. So the first thing I want to say is this. I believe that one of the things that is absolutely crucial, if we're going to create an environment that's healthy, a culture that's healthy, and this is a responsibility that we have, first of all, we are passionately in love with Jesus. If you're taking notes, I'd like you to take notes. We are passionately in love with Jesus. There's going to be nothing difficult about this teaching. You'll be pleased to know, Phil, about he was talking about deep teaching and nobody understands it. It's so deep that nobody understands. Let me tell you, you'll all understand this, okay, very clearly. Number one, we are passionately in love with Jesus. You see, in ministry comes out the overflow. At the end of this time, here, after I've come off this stage, I want you to know I will feel pretty whacked. Not just because I've been up early in early morning prayer and done a full day, put a full shift in, but something leaves you when you're in ministry. Those who know this know that something literally leaves you. And I, I say to some young guys who I work with and just helping, if something hasn't come out of you and you're full of life to, and ready to do a game of golf after, I'm wondering what you've been doing. Something literally leaves you. Something comes out of you. Ministry comes out of an overflow. And I want to tell you that ministry comes out of this overflow of knowing Jesus. 
It's a deeply spiritual thing that we're talking about here. And today is only as good as my time with Jesus. I can tell this group of people who have been praying today because of how you've come in tonight. The atmosphere was different. Already marked two days in. What's it going to be like on day 21? Listen, if we will commit to this, let me encourage you. If we will commit to the journey of 21 days pressing in, I'm telling you, God is going to say and do some amazing things in your heart. And you might think that I'm looking for this big breakthrough, and you might get the big breakthrough. But let me tell you, I actually think in this season again, it's more about the breakthrough in our own hearts. God wants to break into our own hearts. I was this morning, I heard something the Lord whisper in my ear, and I thought, surely that's not true of me. And he says, Christian, it's true of you. It's true of you. And I needed to just, literally, just, I was late, sprawled out, and I thought to myself, I hope nobody comes in at this moment, because it's going to look a bit strange. But all I can tell you is I needed to get really low, because I felt really low before the Lord. You see, God wants to do something deeply spiritual in our hearts, and he does that as we take time with Jesus And if I can say this, we fall passionately in love with Jesus again. Some people here tonight, you really, really used to love Jesus. I mean, you were just, you were passionate. And now that love has just waned. And I think that's part of the breakthrough of this 21 days. That you're going to rediscover, that we are going to rediscover our love of Jesus again. So we're passionately in love with Jesus. And we have to set the example of this. I love what it says, what Paul says to Timothy. He says, don't let anybody look down on you, but set an example in your speech, in your life, in the way that you live. And we have to be people who exemplify this love of Jesus. And out of the example that we create, a number of things begin to happen. There's an overflow. As we become passionately in love with Jesus, first of all, we begin to serve the Lord differently. So instead of serving the Lord with badness, madness, and sadness, why did that Phil ask me to do that? Why is Christian having me do that? I don't really want to do that. Have we all been there? I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to, I, why is he asking me? I don't want to do that. I, I've got better things to be doing with my time. And we don't actually serve the Lord with gladness. And yet the Bible talks in Psalm 100 that we need to serve the Lord with gladness. And actually as we passionately fall in love with Jesus, something happens, an overflow begins to happen that we actually begin to fall in love with Jesus and we begin to fall in love with his church and we begin to fall in love with his work. We just love what Jesus is about. And instead of being sad and mad and bad about it, we're actually glad to do this. You know, I, I, I honestly count it an absolute privilege to do what I do. I really do. There's nothing sad about it. There's nothing mad about it. I'm glad to be able to do what I do. And I think it comes out of, you know, just a genuine love for Jesus. Because I begin to love what Jesus loves. He loves the church and he loves the world. And, and you can't help yourself. You know, so many people are ruled by minimums. You know, so they'll just do enough. We come across a lot of leaders. 
those who run businesses, you, that's part of the frustration with staff. They just do enough. I had a conversation last night of how um, there was a, a guy who was talking about, you know, he would, he would work in his, in his place of work and there was no shift work and about one o'clock, there wasn't anything happening there and he said, we made sure there wasn't any work to be done. That means there was work to be done. He used to put a bar through the door and go to sleep. I'm thinking to myself, I'm glad I wasn't lost there. I would have flipping murdered the flipping lot of them. You know, and he just said to me that they were being ruled by minimums. And oftentimes we can be like that, can't we? Just help me t- tonight. We, can, we don't want to be a church that's ruled by minimums. We want to we go above and beyond. We want to go the extra mile. We want to do what Jesus has asked us to do. Why? Because he's, he's, he gave everything. He gave everything for us. And yet sometimes we just give a little insy bit. And that's why I think it's crazy when people talk about, I get the whole tithing issue. It's not about tithing tonight you know, of the struggles that people can have. But at the end of the day, he gave heaven's best. He gave everything. And we're holding back and, you know, fighting with God about things. Listen to me. He, he gave everything for us. Everything. And yet we are so ruled by minimums. And yet if we're passionate in love with Jesus, I believe we'll just serve with excellence. Number two, we create ministry. I believe that life-giving churches, we create ministry around people's gifts. The church should look like the people, not the pastor or the pastors. What I mean by that is we need to just continue, and I think we, we've really locked into this, trying to understand this, to build the ministry around the people's gifts. What is the heart of the church? If I can say this, the heart of Arena Church is very much, we're very community-minded. And that's beginning to arise. People have a real conscience. Not every church is like us. I've realized that. We've, we've, we've met with some really significant churches and church leaders. And they're great in doing what they're doing. But many of them are coming here to try and understand and trying to get help around how to create the community programs in what, we, what we're doing. And, 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 and what I've realized actually is, I think it's a grace that's on, as I say this very humbly. Because actually there's people who carry a great grace towards broken people who carry a great grace towards the brokenness in, a, in our worlds. And it's not just the way we live, it's just that people, you people carry that. And actually, I would be stupid to say, okay, well, we're not going to go with that because that's not what we do. No, we want to build, build ministries around people's gifts. We want to say, you know, if you've got a heart for this, and of course it's got to be aligned in terms of where we, where we want to go and what we sense in God saying to us. But we want to encourage people. We want to help people find their gifts. We want to help people to find their passions and then release them. There's numbers of people who I could point out here. You're just beginning to discover your passion. Discover what, why God's created you the way that you are. And you thought you was crazy and now you realize you're not crazy. It's just that you just love this particular area of ministry. Area of ministry. I mean, you know... Christine's, what, what she does in terms of, you know, some of the business stuff. And I'm like, really, Christine? And she's getting really flicked on by putting chairs out. Not that she does that now, making sure they're all lined up and tables set and everything on. And she, it's just the way she's wired. She just has a passion to make things look good and make sure they're right and in order and systems. And, and it's brilliant, Christine. And we want to encourage that more and more and more. Do you, are you receiving this tonight? You know, we want to help you to find your your gifts. And all I'll say on this is if you have no idea what God's called you to be, if you've, you've got no sense at all of, of where you should be going, I'd encourage you to speak to, with Nathan. There's some gift surveys that we can help you with. We can help you to fill them out. And it will just give you a little bit of a taster 
of probably what, how God has made you and what God wants to do through your life. Thirdly, we want to empower people. It's no good just finding out. We really do want to empower people. Before some of you look me down and think, well, I've wanted to get in stuff with this and you've held us back. We don't hold anybody back. There's reasons why things happen. There's reasons why, you know, certainly we give a sense of release and not at a particular time. There's, there's things that people have spoken to me about and we've said not yet. But then it becomes very clear why we should be doing them, when we should be doing them. We wanted to do houses a number of years ago, but it just wasn't the right time. And yet God then in his wisdom said, this is the right time. That would be right, Lisa. At the very start, we've wanted to do houses. People have said, where's this houses come from? I've always declared it from the very beginning we wanted houses. We understood where we needed to go. But at just the right time, God breaks in. So we do want to empower people. We want to empower you. We want you to be feeling absolutely empowered We want to take some risks. And boy, are we going to take some risks in 2016. We're going to believe God that God's going to do something incredible with guys who are going to grace this platform. We're going to believe that we're going to trust God with with more people in serving in, in ministry and give them real responsibility and take some risks with their lives. One pastor that I was speaking to, you know, he was talking to me about having a 21 year old and he said he could grace any mega church. His ability to preach. And I went, really? He says, and this was a good communicator, really good pastor. He said, absolutely. He says, but it all started when we just began to develop him as a 13-year-old. And just allowed just something of God to just wash over him and just gave him opportunities. And I'm telling you, we want to take more risks. We don't want to get insecure Oftentimes we can get insecure and insecurity cannot form part of who we are in Arena Church. Because if we get insecure, we'll hold back and we believe in team. Listen, everything that we do is through team. If you're not a team player, you're not going to get on very well in Arena Church. If you're not a team player. And by the way, if you want all the credit, you're really not going to get on very well in Arena Church. Not because we want to take the credit, because it's not about who gets the credit. We heard it. Because it really doesn't matter. And increasingly, the only one, it's not just rhetoric, who should get the credit? And often he doesn't get enough, and his name's Jesus. And he doesn't get enough credit. He really doesn't get enough credit. We say he does, but it's all lip service. From our hearts, we know it's all about him. This is his church. This is his church. It's not Phil's church. It's not my church. We've been given stewardship. It's not the eldest church. It's God's church. We're just stewards of it. And we want to take more risks and we want to empower people. And we don't want to get insecure. And we want to do it out of a sense of team. We want to encourage creative thinking and people to dream and allow them to just do all that's in their heart. We want to empower people. Fourthly, we want to focus on systems that work. We'll gloss over this very quickly. But all I will say is this. Systems are vitally important to make it work. I can do this because I'm amongst family and friends, aren't I? I'll say that again because there weren't many. I'm amongst family and friends, aren't I? Okay. So here's the system. You come to my house. You do use our downstairs toilet. And there's no toilet paper. Oh, dear Kev, you're right. Kev's got the image. You may say that's a bit crude now. There's a system. Because my wife will make sure, and that isn't me being sexist, it's just that I just don't think about such things. She'll just make sure that there's toilet paper in 
the toilet so when somebody needs to use the toilet, there's toilet paper for them to use. Uh, you've all got the image in your mind. It's a system. At its most basic level, there's a system. There's a procedure. So please don't say to me, systems aren't needed in church. Because when you go to the toilet next, you'll soon be shouting at us, we need the system. Okay? <laughs> we want to focus on systems that work. Work. That is the, let me underline or underscore that, that work. How many times have you seen things and you think, why on earth are they doing that? It's not working. And yet when you challenge the process to say, well, we've always done it that way. We want to be forever changing. You know, I say to people uh, that if you're gulping, you need to understand we're, we're gulping and we've been gulping a lot longer than you because we're often bringing the changes. Change is uncomfortable for everybody. It really is. But I just think it's part of the journey. And we want to continue, not just be forever changing just for the sake of it, but we want to focus on systems that work, and that will mean that we always need to keep being ahead of the game and keep changing. We need to keep the vision clear. We need to keep getting better. Because if we get better, we'll get bigger. If we get better, we'll get bigger. Because what God will say to you is, they've been faithful in small things, now I'm going to give them something bigger to deal with. Yes? That's how it's always happened in my life. If you think that I've maneuvered my way here, how on earth did I connect with Eric and Eric bring me here and all the rest of it? I wasn't looking. I, I just had a meeting before and I said, you know, one of the biggest frustrations was I was never looking to pastor a church. Never. I wanted to be an evangelist. I really did. I wanted to be an evangelist. I wanted to go into churches. I wanted to preach the gospel and, you know, make it appealing and say, bye, you know, on the way. Seriously. That's how, I, how, how, how it worked for me. And so some people will say, how did you open doors? Oh, let me tell you how it works is, if you're faithful, I remember Eric saying this to me, George saying it to me, and it would have gone before that. If you are faithful in what God places in your hand, and you are faithful with it, then God will open up something bigger for you to deal with. It all comes out of faithfulness. It really does. And we need to be people that are faithful, and as a church we need to be faithful with a couple of hundred people at Ilkeston and a hundred that we've got at Mansfield around the, the fringes. If we're faithful with those, if we take care of that, then God will breathe on it, and it will become bigger. It really will. So we need to focus on systems that really work. And while I'm on this particular point, before I move quickly, is this. The other thing that we want you to know is this. We always want to count what matters. Because what you count reveals what, what matters. It wasn't in this church, and it wasn't in this church. But there was a guy who was the treasurer and he absolutely loved counting the offering. And he wasn't interested in how many people were saved. All he wanted to know is how much money was in the offering bag. And he told me everything about this man. Honestly, he did. Told me everything. About, and that's why he wasn't in. So, Anne, you can breathe easily. I've said a man anyway. Where is she? She's there. You see, what you count reveals what matters most to you. Now, I'll give you a bit of a secret. We'll come to number seven. I, I, I just love it when we've got new people in. 
I just say to the guys, how many new people do we have in? How many people came to Christ? That's part of my debrief because it's what God values. Remember the thing of going back to the 99, there were 99 sheep and they were all taken care of. There was one that missing and he went after the one and brought it on his shoulders. Sue prayed over it this, this morning in our prayer time in Ilkeston. We need to always count what matters. Number six, we need to, sorry, number five, we need to have fun together. If we're going to be a life-giving, prevailing church, there's all that stuff of empowering and finding out people's giftings and systems. But listen to me, we need to have fun together. I believe that those churches that laugh together grow together. And, and, it, and if we'll just have a, a lot more fun. We, we were in staff this morning and I had to say, guys, come on, just draw it back in. Because it was just raucous. Julie was creating most of the mayhem. Um, I think Anne was behind her as well. And I think Lisa and Tracy were in it as well. They were all, they were all at it this morning. Uh, Christine was behaving herself for once. Okay. Um, but it was not me. It's never me. It's always Phil. Okay. And... Uh, Listen, those people that have fun together, you know, grow together. In, in the natural, and I've said this to you before, some of you will, will look on and think that we are absolute, Caroline's not off near when I'm, when I'm sharing like this, we're perfect in every way. I, I just want to keep bursting the bubble. Jonathan is now part of our family, and I'll just embarrass him, he's going out with my daughter. And I think he's really burst his bubble seeing me in my dressing gown with my slippers on, telly, remote control, tea in hand. I right, put that ball down and Caroline, will you pick these things up and, you know, like. Not to me. We're not the perfect family, but what we choose to do, this is where I want to go with it. What we choose to do and what we're very intentional about, we just want to create moments of real laughter together. I had my mum and dad on holiday all. We had an absolute riot with my dad. My dad's hilarious. You know, because we realize the more fun we have together, there's just a bond that comes together. You see, what happens when we get seriously a bit now, there's just, it's eased up again, the atmosphere. There's just a gelling together. We must make sure. It's not ever being, it's not ever being flippant. We're talking about having fun. That we really enjoy being with Mike Taylor and Maggie Taylor. We really love being with Sandra. We really love being with Glennis. We really love, we just love Sean. We just love being Paul. We just want to be together and we want to have some fun. We want to have some fun. So we need to create moments of fun. And if I can say those who lead teams, can I encourage you, please, 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 make sure that you're creating fun environments within your teams. It's so important we can do it by, you know, generosity. Let's be generous. Let's be generous in how we approach things. That's why I love Christmas. I mean, we had more parties than I know what. It were brilliant. The cakes coming out and then out for a dinner with the staff and the elders and all the rest. It were brilliant. Loved it. Absolutely love it. And we have the opportunity to have fun together. And we need to do that more and more. Let me move quickly. Six, we love people. We love people. We really do. Now, I can say this here in this environment. You know, if we're saying, well, we love people, well, I want the pastor, it's not in my notes actually, but I want the pastor to come and see me. You might not get the pastor 
to come and see me. Don't misinterpret that, that we don't love you. Because actually we've got a group of other people. It's called the church. It's called a pastoral team. It's called small group leaders. Who they, part of their mandate is to love you and pass you. Are you hearing me? I just keep needing to underscore that because otherwise we just run to an old model that, you know, the pastor or one of the pastors, one of the senior, we must have the pastor. Actually, the last thing you want is me coming around and seeing you when you're ill. <laughs> it, it really is the last thing for you, for you, to, for you to want, want to have. You know, it, it really is. And we need to continue to... You know, build those teams, but also create a loving environment. So let me just comment on that comment that I've just made there. I once heard somebody say, you have to do for one what you'd like to do for everyone. So you just need to know, I haven't spoke to Phil about this, but I know it would be true of him, and it would certainly be true of us. There are certain things, certain people, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but there are certain things that we do, me and my wife do, that we do for one that we'd love to do it for everyone, but we just do it for the one. You know why? Because it's almost our offering before God that we love people, and we never want to lose sight of people. We never want to lose the smell of the sheep. We want to never lose the brokenness of people and the difficulties that people face. I would encourage you to just, you know, even if your world's busy, to just take it upon yourself in one or two situations. Just make it your personal mission to spread love and to show love to some people. Because I need you to know this. I am not just the leader or one of the leaders of this church. I'm a member of this church. This is my church. I belong here. Yeah? Do you understand the shift? I don't just come here because I'm the leader of it. This is my family. You are my family. You are my family. And I am your family. We are your family. And we want to continue to love one another. Lastly, because time's gone. This is where I'll just spend probably a few minutes. I just need to make this statement before we go up to point. It's already there, but I just want to make this this statement before I read it. Arena Church made the decision to grow the church through the transformation of people rather than the transfer of people. Now, I know some of you have come as a result of from other contexts and other churches, and we understand why, and we do understand why. But I want to say that is not our passion to attract from other churches. Our passion is the world that's lost. You see, it's easy to build a church and create a culture and environment where you're drawing from other churches. But actually, all we're doing is we're just creating the merry-go-round churches. And actually, while we're doing that, there's many, many thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are going to hell. And that is why we are more concerned with reaching people and keeping people. So unfortunately, and I do have to be careful because of podcast, we've had 
last year, some people who left us. And, uh, you know, there's some genuine valid reasons. But certainly, in a couple of those contexts, I think they would have liked us to have gone running after them. The reality is there was nothing to go running after. Because the accusation was, you know, I needed this. And the reality is, we want to love people, said that. But we also want to recognize that we want to love the very thing that God loves. And that's the world. Are you hearing me? It's really, really, really important, particularly for some of you sensitive guys who feel this deeply. You must not misinterpret my words. Okay? Because while we're enjoying this, there are people who are lost and are going to a lossless eternity without Christ. That is why, if you want to accuse me of being anything, of being more concerned with people out there than people in here, which is not true, by the way, then I'll take the accusation. I'll take the accusation. Because actually, if you look at Jesus' life, and this is where I model it from, really the religious people wanted Jesus to fit into their mold. And he disappointed everybody. Because what did he do? He went after who? He went after the worst of the lost as well. The worst. And we must always keep that very much in mind. We do not exist for us. We exist for others. That is why I will constantly and will continue to constantly remind you of our purpose. Let me tell you, that is why we run small groups. Paul and Liz are there on the back. It is a caring environment, but small groups is principally to reach out to lost people. Yes? That's what they do. The small group leaders here, that's what we're encouraging them to do. Youth, Josh and the team, of course, there's young people who need caring for. Some of my own kids are in there, and I'm glad you're doing it. But actually, their heart and their passion is to reach out to lost people. We've got Lisa and Debbie and Tracy and part of that team. There's Terry here and Amy, part of that. The reason why we're doing, yes, we want to care for one another. But why do we do what we do? Because we want to care for those who are out and who are lost. By the way, those who are involved in the charity shop, sharing in the coffee shop, Glennis in the, in the church shop. Sean, when you was there, the reason why we do what we do is not just to sell goods. It's actually to go after lost people, to connect and engage with lost people. We never, we never lose the mission. We never lose the core value of why we do what we do. Because as soon as we lose that idea, we may as well just be like any other business. We may as well be like any other organization. Again, I was talking to somebody last night who was talking about Christian Aid and now he works for Christian Aid and some of the stuff there and by the very nature, I don't know the history to it, but Christian Aid, I thought, is probably rooted in some Christian philosophy. And the reality is many of the big organizations have lost their way. It's not a criticism, they've just lost their way because they've lost the reason why they first set out doing what they were doing. And I don't want to do that in Jesus' name. We don't want to do that in Jesus' name. We want to keep ever before you the need to go after lost people. So if I can encourage you, RSVP is not just for Christmas. Yes? Inviting people and connecting with people. And I, I'd like to in, instigate another, another thing, Phil. I've not spoke to you about this. We've got a 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'd like to have a seven days of prayer and feasting. <laughs> Anybody in for that? We've got all the elders here. Does that carry? 
That's in. That's part of our bylaws now. What am I saying with that? Prayer and feasting. Because I'd really like to, seriously, I'd like in August, September, I'd like to just challenge you to have seven days of throwing your home up and have loads of parties. Just have loads and loads of parties. And actually, don't wait till, don't wait till August and September. Just have loads of parties. Invite all your neighbors. Invite all your friends. Not your Christian. You can have a few Christian guys because you need to just have the, but just have loads of people. I'm serious. Are we up for that? So we'll, we'll just draw that in and it'd be great to hear and see pictures of whatever. I'm telling you, God is going to do something amazing as we pray and fast and as we pray and feast. As we pray and feast, I believe we're going to see some significant relationships formed and we're going to see God break up. These seven areas, passionate in love with Jesus, create ministry around people's gifts, we empower people, we focus on systems that work, We have fun together, we love people, and we are more concerned with reaching people than keeping people. I didn't want it to be a teaching, I wanted it to be a preach, and I hope that's come across. But I believe if we will embrace these just simple principles and just allow them to be the culture of our lives and we just embody them, I'm telling you, it will just continue to create great health in the life of the church. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if the guys had just come and we've got 